Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. The Outdoors. I never was that outdoorsy type. Even when I was growing up, I would love camping. And I would tell my parents, I love this. Can't we do this inside? Because for me, the outdoors wasn't... It wasn't a place to be messed with. I felt that I was in someone else's house. And whenever insects came into my house, they were dealt with, let's say. So going out into the ocean, into a shark's house, or going out into the woods, into a mountain lion's or a bear's house, well, that just seemed like a foolish idea for me. Earth, wind, fire, and water, elements we need to live, the nature of the world. Each one gives life in its own way, but to make way for that life, there is the wrath of destruction that almost hungry, transformative nature of destruction. Some of the most terrifying things in a human's life are forces we can't control or even see until it's too late. First, we will encounter a fiery force waiting for interlopers in a field. Next, a sunny day at the beach leads to a family tragedy. After that, a fairy tale dream becomes a nightmare. And finally, a sweet voice in the wind is not as innocent as it appears. We receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com snarled. So, wanna hear something scary? The New Wraith. The seasons are changing yet again as fall turns to winter. The weather can be as much an enemy as a friend, and sometimes it can take up arms against us, like in this next story, inspired by a submission from Ola. My name is Ola. I'm from a small town in Poland where what we lacked in modern conveniences, we made up for in natural beauty. Mountains, woods, and endless farmlands, we had it all. 
but when the temperatures rose, we weren't allowed to go outside to enjoy our surroundings because of an ancient local myth. Centuries ago, at noon on a sweltering hot day, a blacksmith was repairing a horseshoe in a nearby wheat field when a spark flew and caused a fire. The landowner was away, so his wife tried to save the field, but was sadly burned alive. Since then, if you ever ventured outside at noon on the hottest days, it was said you might feel the spirit of the noon wreath. It was a weak, dizzy feeling, kind of like a heat stroke. One early autumn day during a terrible heat wave, my friend Sophie and I were watching TV in the living room with my younger brother. As my dad headed out to grab lunch, he said, it's burning up out there. Do not leave the house. Our house had no air conditioning, so my brother decided to cool off in the shower. Before he went upstairs, he whispered to me, don't leave Ola. Seriously, it's scorching out there. It's almost like he knew what would happen next. Let's get some fresh air, Sophie said, opening the back door. Sophie loved to test the rules. I don't know why I agreed. I guess I wanted Sophie to think I was cool. Fine, I said, but only for 10 minutes. My dad will be back soon. We started through my family's garden and crawled under an opening in the fence to a giant golden wheat field next door. It was untended and the stalks rose above our heads. What are we doing here, I asked, noticing a rusted old scythe lying in the field. It looked particularly grisly. My question was answered as Sophie pulled out a cigarette. She struck a match to light it, making sure your brother doesn't freak out. Want one? I shook my head. I didn't like smoking. I didn't like the feeling of being in this field either, but I'd follow Sophie. We heard a rustling from somewhere in the field, accompanied by the sound of a woman humming. We froze peering through the wheat stalks. The hum grew closer as a hot, dry wind blew through the wheat field. The scythe flipped up through the air and landed in the hands of a beautiful woman in a white robe who glided out of the stalks. Seeing her, I could tell she was composed of wind instead of skin, and her face, eyes, and bodily form came from a whirlwind-like energy that shaped her and gave her strength. At first, I was in disbelief, and then I became dizzy. Suddenly, it dawned on me. She was the noon wraith, I uttered. The noon wraith turned to Sophie, whose face had paled. She looked scared and woozy, just like me. You have trespassed here. Put out your embers and leave. This isn't real. It's the heat, Sophie replied, but I could tell she was clearly dizzy. The noon wraith glared. Would you continue to smoke that ember if you knew it would lead to your death? Sophie sneered, clearly taking the noon wraith for a heat mirage. She took a big puff of her cigarette when, strangely, the fire went out. She coughed, clutching her neck, her eyes tearing up. I looked over, and the skin on Sophie's face, neck, and arms had turned this dark red. Steam rose off her skin. Sophie cried out as her whole body shook violently, and she fell to the ground. Then the noon wraith eyed me. You too have trespassed. My friend told me to, I replied. The noon wraith's eyes narrowed. And since you couldn't think for yourself, you too will be punished. I watched, dazed and powerless, as her scythe rose up. Ola! Ola! 
My brother screamed my name as the scythe swung at me. My brother grabbed my arm and the two of us sprinted for our lives. I could feel the noon wraith's hot breath at the back of our necks. She wasn't giving up. My brother and I scrambled to the hole in our fence and dove underneath. The wind died down and I caught my breath. I finally understood what the noon wraith was. The spirit of that dead woman still trying to protect her field from fire. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The ocean can be a passive observer to much of human history, our triumphs and also the horrors that we do to each other. But what happens if it decided to commit some horrors of its own? We find out what that looks like in this story inspired by Jessica. All I ever wanted was to have the freedoms that other people enjoyed. Annette, my baba would say, you want much of what the world does not want to give. Mata, why? I'd reply. My father said that because even just a day at the beach was fraught with challenges in South Africa during apartheid. Due to the bigotry of white people at the time, darker-skinned Afrikaans were banned or segregated from fully using public places and health services, including the local beaches. Even if you were allowed on the beach, white lifeguards, for instance, would refuse service to those that also were not white. One summer day, when I had grown and was a young mother of my own, my family found a sliver of unoccupied beach further away in a channel. It seemed perfect to set up for camp for the day, a relaxing day of just being like other people at the beach, relaxing without stares, shouts, or violence for simply living in the skin that we were born in. It was less frequented. The tide looked a little rough, but there were no warnings saying that the beach was unsafe to swim. It must be okay, then, we reasoned. Plus, we have strong swimmers in my family. We take to the water like fish and made sure to pair adults with children, and also to tell the children to not swim far into faster currents. If the world had only been a fairer place. The day progressed beautifully. I could see across the sand my husband Arno. He was setting up the grill. Our children were playing with my younger brothers, Alfred and Trav, our other friends and family with their babies, and my sister, Welma leading other adults further out into the ocean with nets to catch fish for dinner. While we were many, our family was tight-knit. Every day, outside forces could be at work to steal our joy, but together, we'd face anything head-on, I thought. 
Then we heard screaming. The children that had been playing near the water's edge came running back to camp, pointing at the waves. It was Wilma. The current had swept her up by her fishing net, and she was struggling to hold on to the rocks. Alfred and Trav dived into the water after her. Arno and I led the rest of the adults to the channel. We quickly formed a human chain. Arno linked up to Trav and Alfred. My sisters and their husbands joined, and we held together from the shore. We tugged, and the ocean tugged back harder. We strained, and the greedy ocean sucked every bit of strength that we had to give. Closing my eyes, I began praying aloud. I would give anything to not lose my sister that day, I thought. Anything. The world seemed to still for a moment. Suddenly, something clasped tightly around me, and I opened my eyes, shouting in surprise. It was Wilma. We were passing her down to each person, dragging her from the greedy tug of the ocean current until finally she reached the shore. Crying, I saw her daughters, my nieces, run to her on the beach, holding her close. Our attention diverted. No one noticed when there was another rush of force by the water and Alfred was dragged away by a wave. Trav didn't think twice and jumped in to follow his brother. Feeling Trav let loose of him, my husband cried out, and then we all saw them carried away by the sea. As another wave broke, Arno, my husband, dived into the water after them. A fisherman coming in from the bank with his boat saw what was going on and paddled as fast as he could towards my husband and brothers. The rest of our family called and pulled our human chain back from the water. My husband and brothers were too far out. If the boat couldn't get them, the fisherman was only able to pull my husband out alive. Nobody but the fisherman had helped us, and when we had run down the beach to ask one of the lifeguards, they had laughed. After returning with my husband, the fisherman asked us why. Why were we on that beach? Couldn't we read? There were signs everywhere that it is unsafe. Then, looking around, he saw no signs. Awareness dawning, he angrily looked over at the further populated beach. He said how it had been a problem in the past, but he thought that they had stopped. He informed us that some of the lifeguard would hide the signs of dangerous waters as a prank against those who couldn't swim on their beaches. We searched for hours, walking up and down the shore, but my brother's bodies were never found. However, the horror of that day was still not over. At the funeral, as I numbly took in the greetings of well-meaning family and friends, a guest, a family friend who had never said a crossword to anyone, sat beside me. Anything, she said in a voice that was not her own. She cackled, looking over at her. A watery darkness flowed over her features, pouring from her mouth and eyes. You would give anything. I know where your brothers are, it said. The water spirits say they're in a cave under the water. A fish is eating the brains out of the birthmark on Trav's head. And they'll never be found. Now... In my old age, I see the fear of the sea in my youngest grandchildren, Jessica and Junior. Twins, they can't even go knee-deep in the water without recoiling. 
The girl, Jessica, even has a birthmark on her forehead, the same that Trav had. It's almost as if they were my brothers reincarnated. The sea remains tempestuous and uncaring to the will of man, but all I want is for the water to heal the memories it gave us. Thank you for sharing this family story with us, Jessica. This was your great-grandmother, Annette, that originally told this to you. Generational pain is a very real thing. And unless it is faced, it can't ever really truly be healed. I'm sorry for what has happened to your family and I hope for the best for all of us moving forward. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. And now we glide into fields of tall flowers and mossy streams where fairies truly do exist. A young girl encounters these woodland creatures who are not as harmless as they seem in other stories. And this story, inspired by Junji. During golden hour, when the sun begins to set in the spring, the meadows become a hive of life among the flowers. In a quaint village nestled among the fields, the villagers knew to be wary of the setting sun during the spring equinox. That's the time of year when fairies would roam and moved in swarms over the land. This was when their realm blended into ours with the spread of sprouting mushroom circles. They were portals known to lure people to their world, never to be seen again. Young Myla played in her backyard before dusk of the spring equinox with caution, thinking about her mother's warning. Going past the gate at this time was forbidden. Basket in hand, Myla was upset that it was too late to pick daffodils, her favorite flowers. Disappointed, she settled for throwing stones into a babbling brook. Myla hummed to herself and skipped stones over the fence. Distinct rustling flew past Myla as she threw a pebble into the air. There was a shriek, and she realized with horror that she'd hit a fairy. Concerned, Myla pulled herself through the gap between the slats of the fence. She saw a small kaleidoscope-winged creature with a human face trapped under the stone she'd thrown. Crossing further over to help, she apologized as she lifted the rock off the fairy's wing. I'm so sorry, she said. The fairy buzzed around Myla's flushed cheeks and glistening eyes that were innocently bewildered. I should get back, she said, 
but the fairy sprinkled sparkling dust over her head in gratitude and asked, May I repay you for my life with a dance? With an involuntary twirl, Myla shook her head. I really should get going. My mother says I can't go far today. The fairy zipped around her to stop her from going back through the fence. Please, it insisted. Don't you enjoy dancing? Myla nodded, not wanting to be rude, and joined the fairy in dance. They spun and spun on the meadows, past the brook beneath the setting sun. Myla didn't notice they were going further than she was allowed. In her dizziness, she could see more fairies surrounding her and giggling. In the moment she giggled too, she so enjoyed dancing. The fairies encircled Myla and formed a colorful cloud around her of pink, blue, and purple hues. Out of breath, Myla wanted to stop and rest, but found that her hands weren't going down. It seemed she couldn't stop any of her limbs at all. Her feet grew more and more tired by the second. The giggling transformed into a higher-pitched song that Myla could barely make out the words to. When she looked down, it felt like her feet were on fire, and she twirled into a mushroom circle. The fairy voices joined in chorus, proclaiming Myla a gift to the night of the spring equinox. The ground began to warp, and her feet became covered in mushrooms and moss. Before she could scream, the swarm of fairies buzzed closer and pulled her down, stealing the sound of her voice when she tried to scream again. As the sunlight disappeared, Myla clutched at the air and was sucked into the ground. When her mother looked for a trace of her, all she found was an empty basket near the gate. In that same spring, daffodils began to bloom on the other side of the gate, just past the brook. The flower told Myla's mother all she needed to know. Her daughter had been taken by fairies into their world. Every year that passed at that same time, she prayed for her daughter's return with the equinox. But alas, only flowers would grow in the spot where she danced. Thank you for your tale, Junji. All too often, we love to think of fairies as these beautiful sprites that are just there to help us and dance and sprinkle us with fairy dust and make our wishes and dreams come true. But there's a dark side to every tale as we were able to see in your story. I hope with this that more people will consider that dark side. Not everything that glitters is gold. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
In our final story, two young girls hear a voice in the wind and ask its name. Unfortunately for them, the voice eagerly answers back in this story inspired by Sam. They called us the Ghost Girls. In the fifth grade, I had a best friend named Kayla. We immediately clicked over a mutual love for spooky things and strange happenings. Ever since we were little, we sensed and saw things other children couldn't. Kayla could hear whispers, and I could find the spaces where their auras stuck around. She'd speak out to the voices, and I would sense the air with my hand to find the chill of a lingering aura source. One day, at school, when we were practicing for tornado drills, Kayla heard weeping by a bunker door, and when I got closer, I could feel the cold of a ghost's aura. It was an intense feeling. I couldn't help but follow it, and Kayla was pulling me back. Martina, wait! But I found it, and I reached towards it and felt my hand freeze and go slightly numb. She's not ready, Kayla said to me. She spoke to me. I heard her. She said her name is Georgia and that she didn't make it into the bunker. A tornado swept her away. Kayla and I, well, we were both attracted to a ghost's mystery. So we wound up back at that same spot every day to acknowledge Georgia and her pain. Eventually, Georgia started to warm up to us. We found out that she loved our company, and she was just like us, different. But after a while, Kayla would go off during lunch to sit with Georgia without me. They'd sit there and talk. If I got close, the cold would intensify. And especially every time I'd try to get close to Kayla, I could feel this shroud come over her. I wasn't a part of the group anymore. They were ignoring me, I thought. In class, I began to notice Kayla's eyes drooping and she would look faint. I'd raise my hand behind her sometimes and I could actually feel her aura fading while Georgia's would get brighter whenever she was around. I tried to speak to Kayla about this. I wanted her to tell me why she was so tired. I wanted to tell her that she was changing and that I thought it was because of Georgia. But Kayla just snapped at me, shouting me to leave her and Georgia alone, to leave Georgia out of it, and that they only needed each other, that neither of them needed me. I was devastated and felt like I had not only lost my best friend, but a new friend that understood what I was. And then Kayla stopped coming to school altogether. Out of the blue, a few months later, I got a call from a number in New Mexico. Kayla called my cell phone as I was walking home from school. She apologized. She let me know that she had had to get away from Georgia, that after weeks of nightmare-filled nights, she had stopped eating and felt like she was wasting away. Alarmed, her parents had intervened by moving to a place with more sun. I was shocked. I told her I was glad she was feeling better and that I missed her terribly. 
It was difficult being the only ghost girl in town. We apologized to one another and promised to keep in touch. The phone felt hot in my hands as I hung up. I let it drop to the ground as I realized that, somehow, I had walked back to the bunker where we at first encountered Georgia. I miss her too, I heard a voice in my head say. Suddenly, a gust of wind surrounded me, turning into a windy force tearing around me, sweeping me up. Georgia? I gasped. It was the last thing I remembered before being slammed into a tree by the tornado. I felt something in my neck give, and everything became black. When I came to, I was somewhere unfamiliar. There was a girl sitting on a bench overlooking a pond. It was Kayla, and I ran up to her, but she couldn't see me. Kayla, do you hear me? I asked, standing next to her. Martina, is that you? She asked, looking around, a look of worry crossing upon her face. What happened? Are you okay? That's when I felt the freezing cold of Georgia's presence. It had intensified. It was much stronger than it had ever been before. She was all over me, enveloping me. I was trapped inside Georgia's aura. There was no escape. Kayla called out to me again, and against my will, Georgia formed words using my voice. It's okay now. I'm here and I'll never leave you again. Sam, thank you so much for your story. Those unlike the ghost girls that haven't had much contact with ghosts, you might think of ghosts as being something that can't harm you. As long as you don't believe in it, you'll be fine. That's not entirely true. You might think that ghosts couldn't be harmful to you, but there is such a thing as ghosts that can drain your energy, that can affect your emotional state. And if you're particularly sensitive, like Sam or Martina or Kayla, they can even do so much more. This week's podcast stories were edited by Zach and Brogno, Marquia McCarty, and Sabina Graves. Audio edited by Johnny Ashley and Fitz Harris. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Music by Sapphire Sandalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.